This Podcast Movement 2022 audio session is brought to you by Supporting Cast, the best way to sell and deliver exclusive podcasts. And special thanks to PM22 Virtual Ticket Presenting Sponsor, Amazon Music. We are just waiting for our second panelist who's on her way down. She got a bit lost, Tony, but we're going to start because I know we have a live stream. So I wanted to just start with, uh, I'll introduce myself and I'll introduce Rebecca and we can dive in and then we'll just dive in when Tony arrives. Um, thank you guys for coming. I know it's the last day and everybody's getting ready to leave, so I appreciate it. Uh, and hopefully we can get to, we should be able to get to questions at the end as well. Um, so my name is Eliza Rosen. I own a company based out of Los Angeles called AYR Media. And I am, my background is a TV producer, and I started this company a few years ago, pivoting into podcasts, um, focusing a lot on what we're talking about today, which is incubating IP for podcasts. Um, so, so from podcast to adaptation. Um, can we just leave one door open for when Tony, because Tony's coming down. I just want to make sure she knows where to go. <laughs> Thank you. Here she is. Um, so let me introduce Rebecca. Rebecca is the EVP at Campfire, Camps, I always mess up, Campfire Media, based out of Los Angeles as well. Um, heads up the nonfiction group over there, but they're a studio that does fiction and nonfiction. So while Tony's getting settled, Rebecca, why don't you tell us kind of a bit about what you do and then how it relates to the podcast adaptation of it all. Thank you for that intro. Um, being here, there's apparently a lot of companies that start with camp. So There's so many. We are Campfire Studios, not to be confused. Um, we actually produce film and TV documentaries. We also have a scripted department, and we also make our own podcasts. We haven't done nearly as many as many people at this convention, um, but we are certainly interested in dabbling. I run all of the nonfiction department um, from the creative side, both development and overseeing current. We've done projects um, like WeWork on Hulu, that documentary. We did The Way Down on HBO Max. Um, and there's been a few podcasts, adaptations that we have worked on. Uh, we actually did the Heaven's Gate documentary that was adapted from Stitcher and Pineapple Media's podcast. We made it into a four-part series with HBO Max and CNN, and which is why I imagine half the reason I'm here. Um, and we're also actually in production on the adaptation of the Smartlist podcast. Um, and we're currently working with a few other podcast companies and developing some of their IP. Well, the Smartlist one, I didn't know about that. I know, I totally I... forgot to tell you the other day. Yeah, that's a big one. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm a big Smartlist fan. Tony, we're getting very special introduction for Tony Jenkins. <laughs> Um, just grab the mic, it should be on. Thank you. So Tony is the SVP of Programming and, De Programming and Development for Crown Media Family Networks and is also based in LA. She is heading up the initiative for Mahogany and can tell you a little bit more about that and how Mahogany and Hallmark sort of fits into the podcast adaptation of it all. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you for having me and welcome everyone. Uh, got a little turned around out there trying to find the room. Uh, yes, but yes, I work for um, 
formerly Crown Media, now simply Hallmark Media, uh, which encompasses Hallmark Channel, Hallmark Movies and Mysteries, Hallmark Drama, Hallmark Movies Now. I'm heading up a new initiative there um, under the Mahogany Card brand. If anyone's familiar with the Mahogany Card brand, it's a card brand that's been around for almost 40 years that's for African Americans. We are now taking that card brand and using it as a source of inspiration for a slate of films and other content. Um, we're our first film, it's a little plug here, airs this weekend. It's called Unthinkably Good Things. It stars the wonderful Karen Pittman and Joyful Drake and Erica Ash. It airs across all, Mark, all Hallmark platforms um, this weekend. But in addition to heading up the Mahogany initiative for films, we're also moving into the podcast space. So we're looking at ways that we can not only support the brand, the Hallmark brand, the Mahogany brand, and the Mahogany Media Initiative. So we're definitely, we're now into the space of buying and creating podcasts. So this is all kind of new for us and exciting. So we're looking in scripted, Non-scripted, right now we're starting with scripted, but ways to extend that brand experience on across Hallmark platforms. Great. So I wanted just before we get into the panel of it all, I wanted to direct you guys to the slide, which I'm sure you've already looked at. We just put together a slate of podcast to TV adaptations. There are many more. These are some of the bigger ones that you've probably seen or heard about. Um, and to just kind of show you not just the variety of podcasts that have been adapted, but the also variety of platforms. So everything from Netflix to HBO to Peacock to Amazon. I mean, there really isn't a streamer or even a linear network that's not in the game now when, it's, when it comes to podcasts. So that's actually where I want to start, which is, you know, you guys have been here for three days. The theme is that we are in a boom, right? We are in a podcast frenzy and... Uh, as that relates to adaptation, I want to get into, you know, how that is working. A lot of people say podcasts are the new books, so as you know, or podcasts are paid development. So I'd love to toss it to Rebecca and talk a little bit more about how you see podcasts and what role they have in development and incubation. Yeah, uh, podcasts for us are hugely instrumental in the research and outreach portion of development. We at Campfire, when we develop projects, we do a really big deep dive. Our projects are premium documentaries, and so we like to make sure we are the experts on the story. We do a bunch of research, we do a bunch of outreach, basically putting the whole package together so buyers just can't say no. Um, and it takes us a few months to do, but when there's a podcast that is already made, uh, it really is a fantastic partnership for us because it already comes with the research and the outreach embedded so that we can just focus on creating the story and how it's going to be different for the documentary version. Um, I think that's it, actually. I was going somewhere with another point, but yeah. I mean, we I, I'm a huge consumer of them, too, and I think that especially anytime you have a hit podcast, buyers nowadays are all about statistics. And so if you can say this podcast hit number one for this and was on you know, this, um, this platform and this many people listened, that always helps with uh, the pitch process. And how valuable are, to your point about the success of the podcast, is it enough to just have the IP created or does it have to be successful? In other words, are the buyers always interested in how well it does or because there are two different audiences, 
a lot of the times? Does it matter beyond the fact, like you said, that it's already been created, all of that sort of research and vetting has been done, it's sort of a proof of concept. Maybe it's not millions and millions of downloads, but it's created as an IP. If you come up against, well, we don't know that podcast or that's not successful, so it's not gonna buy us anything, or where do you think that fits into No, it? not at all. Honestly, I think a good story is a good story. Um, and sometimes when a podcast isn't as successful as say some of like the big hits we've seen, like Dirty John, for me, I'm the type of person who loves to own a story and loves to, you know, tell something new to the world. And it is a great opportunity if there haven't been a lot of views on a project. So I would think that even if your podcast maybe didn't make charts or anything like that, like I said, if it's a good story, it's a good story. It doesn't matter. And Tony, as far as Mahogany starting to get into and Hallmark starting to get into the scripted podcast of it all, how do you sort of evaluate whether or not that's going to be something that will translate to the screen? Is it something where it will be a direct comp where you would basically take that story and you know, make it a scripted movie or TV series, or are you using it more as a launching pad for the world or the characters? A little bit of both. One of the things I think that the most important part for us is particularly with the Mahogany Initiative, the scripted podcast is intended for me is to continue a conversation with the viewers and the listeners, right? So Hallmark, this may come as a surprise to some people, but it's really not known for being the most diverse network, <laughs> but it's adding a lot more diversity uh, and a lot more inclusion. But for me, I'm, I look through the podcast as a way that in between films, whatever that's, that, that rollout is, is that this scripted podcast continues to tell stories that will attract African-American female listeners and potentially turn those listeners into viewers. So if it's a story that we know that will resonate with our audience, we know that it would resonate, one, with the Hallmark audience, two, with the Mahogany audience, then our our thought is to take the scripted podcast and see if we can, one, continue that conversation. Two, if the podcast does well, then it would be a natural fit for the most part to be converted into either a film or a series. But it, and in that regard, it could be considered a part of development. So what makes a podcast good for adaptation? Rebecca, how do you decide whether something is worthy of being told in another medium, whether that's unscripted or scripted, and then two, how do you convince a buyer to buy into that, you know, especially in the case of unscripted, well, we've heard that story already, what are we gonna see on the doc series, or even what, we're gonna, what are we gonna see on the scripted side that we didn't already hear or understand from the podcast? So how do you evaluate that? Yeah, um, when I'm listening to a podcast, and I'm, I'm a big consumer, um, so I'm not always just listening for work purposes. I'm often just listening because I'm driving somewhere and I like a good story. Um, but for the Heaven's Gate project in particular, when we were listening, the host really painted this amazing picture of archive available. They were talking about all the members of Heaven's Gate Christmas caroling of the, in the days leading up to their death. And... All I wanted to do after I listened to the podcast was look up these visuals. And so when I have that urge after listening to see whether it's like what these people look like, what kind of archive is available, I know that's certainly step one into thinking this could be something that could be transitioned into a documentary. Yeah, and I'll add my two cents to that as well. I think that it also matters who the storyteller is in the podcast versus your POV on, for instance, the unscripted version. Um, we have a successful podcast called Queen of the Con that we do for iHeart 
that we're adapting into unscripted and scripted. And the approach that we have for both are actually really different than the podcast, whereas the podcast was from the point of view of one of the victims of uh, the con queen. Um, the unscripted is going to go a little bit more into the dynamic with the daughter and the, and the con queen, whereas the scripted is going to have a lot more fun with it and be a little bit more from the POV of the con queen herself. So I think that adaptations also provide that variety as far as um, the way in and the perspective. Tony, I mean, you are a huge consumer of, oh, yeah. <laughs> of all mediums. So what, what, what's your two cents on that? Yeah, I think that when you, aside from the, the mahogany um, podcast, I, I have another uh, project that I've been working on for several years that is kind of like what you're doing with Queen and the Con that will be a feature film and a documentary. So the documentary, it's, it's a, um, a biopic on a an R&B star who died 20-something um, years ago. So the, docu the documentary will really go into the story of her life and all of her problems and issues and how that, re how that related to being an R&B star in the, the, the 90s. But the actual scripted will, so there, there'll be a ton of information that's in the documentary that won't make it to the feature film. And it's, that's really kind of not the place for it, right? The feature film is much more of a trajectory of this person's life and the trials and tribulations and ultimately um, their death. But the, the actual um, script, non-scripted doc of it will give us an opportunity just to do a, a deeper dive without cannibalizing the film. So I always love when I can see a podcast that's been adapted and I can get this get that additional information. One of, one of the ones that I think recently, it wasn't a podcast, but it was a, a doc. But as an example, watching uh, Staircase on HBO and then going back and watching all of, watching the, the multi-episode doc that had been created, I guess, a couple of years before. There was so much more rich content. And to your point, in watching the scripted series gave me such a hunger to go back and find what else is there on this? What else is about these characters? What else is about the stories? I think I'm glad you brought that up because um, Rebecca's company produced the companion uh, podcast series to The Staircase, which I listened to. And I think that's important in this conversation too, sort of the what's that third leg, whether it's retroactive with the podcast, which it was in this case, it was created after the fact to really talk to the directors and the writers and the stars of the show. And if you're, I believe, if you know, especially in the true crime genre, if you're obsessed, you're obsessed, you're gonna watch everything, you're gonna listen to everything. So I loved having that component in addition to the doc. And I love the fact that podcasts have that long tail. You know, I didn't know that, um, is it on our list? The, the Freeform slash Hulu uh, series, The Deep End. I don't know if anyone's seen that. This crazy um, documentary, beautifully done documentary about this um, spiritual healer slash cult leader. Um, that started as a podcast, The Gateway, you know, many years ago, I think at least five years ago. So I then went back and listened to the podcast because apparently that had a lot that was not featured in the doc because again, the doc was from the point of view of Teal Swan and her inner circle. So mm -hmm. I think that the fact that that's still available and will be available forever is a great opportunity. You know, we see that a lot like with Dirty John, that series came out several years after the adaptations and they got millions and millions of downloads as soon as that started dropping. So it really, they feed on each other, which I think is great and something you hope for. 
Yeah, I will say we are making another companion podcast for a documentary we're in production on right now. Um, and I think this was really great advice that the buyer gave me when we were discussing how to develop the creative for it. Um, and I think you can take this too with considering podcasts that could be adapted. She said, um, after people watch the documentary, what will they Google? And so Girl in the Picture, for example, um, a lot of people, at least for myself, I was Googling like, who are her sisters? Like what happened to her family? That's information I feel like I didn't get. And so the podcast, the companion one, went and answered that. And so like ever since I heard that advice, I felt like that was something really great to keep in mind, especially when considering the adaptation. Another thing I want to make a point about this is it's a little bit different than Rebecca's point and even your point, but I think it's important, particularly when you're dealing with communities that um, are different, African-American or minority communities. Sometimes you'll have stories that are documentaries that are even scripted that show a, a a certain aspect of a community's life. So for, I'm gonna give you an example. Um, there's a series on FX called Snowfall, which I love. And it's all about drugs and cartels and all the, the, the just the decimation of parts of California during the drug, um, drug wars. What's great about that series is that it goes on and on and on, so you get a really deep dive into what happened to a community, the choices that were made, the people that made the choices, and sometimes when you watch a two-hour movie, or even you know one, one episode or two-episode documentary with the podcast and longer documentaries have an opportunity to do, which I find beneficial to my community, is to give you much more of the story, much more detail, to give you that context that we as viewers and listeners aren't just listening to something processing the information, possibly making judgments about it without having as much information as possible to help you understand the world from which the story came from. I find that very beneficial when you're getting information out there that people typically wouldn't know. Yeah, and I think podcasts also provide, it's not linear all the time. You can go on rabbit holes and you can devote a whole episode to something that's tangential that has to do with your story, but you you can go there in a way you never could with sort of a straight ahead doc or doc series necessarily because you know your real estate is just shorter with podcasts you can make them as long as you want you can i mean there's obviously guidelines to keep people listening but i think you you really get um a longer rope to go into those places that you never would be able to explore with you know a, a doc or a, or a feature um let's talk about the idea, again, going back to IP incubation, right? That's the, the magic words. Rebecca, when you, how do you, at what point do you reach out to a creator? Like, are you on the lookout for stuff before it even gets out there? Are people now coming to you guys to develop stuff before it even gets out there so that A, you lock it up before it becomes successful and everyone's knocking down their doors, but B, it gives you more of an opportunity to you know, be ready for, to, to, to pounce on the zeitgeist when it comes out as opposed to waiting, you know, things in TV take so much longer, six months, 12 months, 15 months. How do you sort of make sure you get your hands on that IP or develop it from the inside out? Yeah. Um, I do have some different podcast companies who have brought me their projects early. I think I would definitely be open to optioning a podcast before it is released. That being said, I don't think I would actually pitch it to a buyer before it was released. I think it can get a little bit uh, complicated for them because then they, you know, the buyer might want to be involved in the creative or might want to have a say in timing of it all. 
So I would rather use the momentum of a release and say, hey, this podcast just came out. It's doing X, Y, Z. Let's talk about the adaptation. That being said, at the end of the day, the buyer is still going to wonder, how are we doing it differently? So at least if I were to option it early, I can have that uh, that prepped, like that information prepped on how we're going to be doing it differently. Um, but I think I'm always telling podcasters, like, please do bring me your stuff early. I would love to, you know, have that opportunity to get on it before the competition does. And then if, assuming they're still in production, are you then kind of shaping the creative with them for the podcast to make sure that it doesn't tiptoe on the doc or the scripted version and sort of, you know, being able to calculate that all out so that you don't get in a situation with the buyer and they're like, well, it's just your podcast with pictures. It honestly depends on when you bring it. If you're 90% done, I'm definitely not going to have any interest in telling you how to shape your story. Um, I would rather, and, and I also think that it's important to remember not to hold anything back uh, for purposes of a potential documentary in the future. I think you should focus on telling like the best possible story. And if you get something out of it, that's a bonus. Um, I think that if you brought me a podcast super early where it wasn't fully fleshed out, there would actually be a different conversation for do we, like for example, I, am, I actually do have one right now with an investigative reporter who was considering writing a podcast, they're considering writing an article, and we were actually, let's put the pause on the podcast and develop this together. But that being said, buyers are very open to having that companion conversation now. So when we go out, we can say, here's the doc version. Here's what we want to do in the companion. Here are the audio tapes we have versus what we can show in video. And that can be you know, a package that we bring out rather than having you release it before. Yeah, and I'll also add to that that I have been in the position a few times in the last few months, few months where buyers, and when we're talking about buyers, we're talking about um, streaming or linear, we're not talking about studios necessarily, um, have come to me and say, hey, I want to do the scripted version of this story, but I want to create, I want to adapt it from IP. I don't want to just do it because it won't be as sort of valuable. So have come to me to kind of reverse engineer the IP, create the unscripted podcast that then they can adapt to scripted. So that's an interesting trend that's going on too. And Tony, I think as, as Hallmark's d diving into this uh, scripted world, I guess the question, you know, comes down to also economics, right? So give us a sense, you don't, we don't have to get specific on the numbers, but give us a sense of what a full series of a scripted podcast would cost compared to one episode of a limited series, just in terms of fractions. Is it, you know, a third of the cost? Is it a tenth of the cost? <laughs> It can be, I mean, what we're looking at right now, a full series could be, gosh, like an eighth, an eighth of the cost of, of, of a film, yeah. of a movie of the week. So an, an actual eight episodes um, can be, yeah, just a fraction of the cost. And as I know, you guys are heavy into focus grouping. Mm -hmm. So proof of concept, i.e. podcast, is probably incredibly valuable in terms of knowing if it's going to be economically worth it to make that next investment. Absolutely. And also, when we're when you have a brand like Hallmark that does a specific thing and that we make like 90 movies a year, to try and add a new element to that world, you know, to add diversity, to add, you know, we have a, a very specific audience that's accustomed to coming in for 
movie of the weeks that they call Safe Viewing. Anyone can walk in the living room at any time and watch this movie. You know that about X number of minutes in, you're gonna have a meet cute. The girl's gonna leave her job as a brain surgeon. She's coming back home to Butte, Montana, and she's gonna marry a brother that makes maple syrup and has no money, right? So we know that that's what the audience comes from. They love that. So what we're trying to figure out, okay, how do you take something like mahogany that's not necessarily created for this audience, but give it the same treatment and give it the same beats and position it in a way, best position in a way that it will work. The scripted podcast is intended to do that. The scripted podcast is to see, okay, where can I go out there in the world and invite African-American women to come over and either watch the network or listen to this podcast? And if, they're li and if we create it in a way that's similar to what they're accustomed to getting on Hallmark, but add that level of authenticity for African-American viewers and listeners, and they respond to it, now that's something that I can adapt. That's something that I not only can make into a movie, I could potentially make into a series. Yeah, that's a really good point. Rebecca, how do you, um, how do you know if the same, like how do you know if the podcast audience will be the TV audience when you're talking to buyers? Are they assuming that there's no crossover? Are they assuming that there's a ton of crossover? And how are they evaluating whether to buy that doc series or scripted series um, in relation to the podcast, like I mentioned earlier, making sure that you don't get crossover to the point where I'm looking at Catch and Kill, the, the Ronan Farrow show that was on HBO. I mean, it's literally called The Podcast Tapes. And it's, it's, they filmed him making the podcast. So if you've listened to the Catch and Kill podcast, why would you watch the TV series, right? So is that calculation that, well, you probably didn't listen to the podcast, and that's why we're bringing you the podcast with pictures. You honestly have to have the best of both worlds. You have to make your project the, the video documentary form, uh, speak to the viewers who have listened to the podcast and the ones that haven't. You have, you have to kind of just have it all. Um, I will say with, and this could be the case for Catch and Kill as well, you know, with the Smartlist podcast that we're adapting, those guys were going on their tour across America. And so that was an easy way for us to get the content of the podcast and get the people that are on it but in a new light because they're going on this tour. Is that going to be a one? I've heard them mention, is that going to be a one-off doc or is that a series? Or you can't say. It's changing all the time. <laughs> okay. Um, not, it's more than uh, just a one-off though. I mean, I think that's actually a great example because on its face you might say, okay, what's the Smartless adaptation? It's three guys sitting around doing an interview. But like you said, when you give it a hook, and then, again, part of what I love about that podcast is when they're ribbing each other and talking about things we have really no idea about. It's that peek behind the curtain. So if you're seeing them on tour in their green room or having, you know, meals together, I would imagine you're sort of like, you know, super serving your audience there who, who loves these guys and wants to see how they are when they're off mic, too. Yeah, it's 100% the like meat of the show, of actually seeing them talking together on stage, bringing in celebrity guests, but then also the like sort of fun, if you want to call it behind the scenes stuff, where they're going on tours of cities and having the dinners you're talking about. Um, so that's definitely like an added sort of BTS moment that you can put in. Are there podcasts that you, both of you, don't think should be adaptations? Not necessarily specific podcasts, but are there cases where 
you can love a podcast and think it's great, but think it's perfect as is. Um, a lot of people brought up Serial as that example. I know it was made into an unscripted series for HBO, but people thought like that was the perfect podcast. That was obviously one of the, you know, the pioneer of the true crime podcast, but should not be messed with, you know, whether it's scripted, unscripted. What's, what's your opinions on when you should just let a podcast be a podcast or should you ever? Well, Serial is a great, in my opinion, was a great example. But also, I've had an experience where I've done a doc, and I've heard podcasts on this, that when it's been translated into a documentary or another type of series, um, things around missing people. We did a, I did a series years ago called Find Our Missing, and as, you know, we were so excited about this series because no one ever talked, we'd heard about an organization called Black and Missing, and this was back in 2015. No one ever talked about missing children that were black. No one ever talked about it. So we made this series, and what we realized is that there's no resolution. There's absolutely, these people aren't going to be found. It just it was way, it was disappointing. It was depressing. It was, you know, maybe there was a different, Point, a, a different way into just looking at this story, but at in the, in the final review, I think it probably would have lived better as just something that was a series of podcasts, not this deep dive into countless missing children where there's absolutely no resolution. Well, and I think also in the podcast case, you can mobilize your audience too, right? And you can reach people in a different way than a show like that where you may not get as big an audience either. I mean, podcasts... Are, when you count the numbers, they're doing much better than linear across the board. And now, having said that, there's a new series on HBO called Black Missing, so maybe it's doing better. Oh, good. <laughs> it's 10 years later. So. Well, and from the nonfiction side of things, I think there's always like a lot of factors to consider. I think a hard and fast answer is anything that's a really old story. At the end of the day, you still have to have, in a video documentary, someone who can tell you the story and or archive. Um, so that would be something I would normally steer away from, plus podcasts that are just solely host-driven, um, because when I am listening, I am looking for that partnership, someone who can bring that research and outreach while I'll, I bring you know, my expertise of turning into a doc. Um, however, there are, to give you an example, you know, To Live and Die in LA, especially season one, I was obsessed with, and I think that there are elements of that that really just can't be recreated. Otherwise, it was such a good podcast. But at the same time, it was such a good podcast. And if you're listening to Live and Die Lily, look, I want to do it. Um, that is one that, like, it's just such a good story that I would love the challenge of figuring out how can we retell this. Funny you should bring that up because I know the producers behind it. And I, and I had seen an article from a few years ago saying that was being adapted and, and a and I checked in on it, and I think it's, it's either not or it's on pause. So I also love that podcast. It's, if you guys are into true crime, yeah, you're nodding your head. It's such a good podcast. So we have a couple minutes left, and then we'll, leave, we'll have some questions. But I wanted to ask both of you, what's next? Where do you think this evolution of IP incubation, podcast to television adaptations are going? Is there a next iteration? Is it going to lean more toward doc than scripted? Is... Is there something we don't know about yet that's around the corner? What are your thoughts on sort of, or, or are buyers going to get tired? Is podcasts going to be the thing of the past and they're going to go back to magazine articles? <laughs> I don't think podcasts are going anywhere for sure. I think, and Tony can obviously speak to this more, but there are, it, there seems to be a lot more room for scripted adaptations, so I imagine that's going to continue to blow up. Um, 
but I, you know, from the nonfiction side of things, it's such a great place for me to find IP. It's in the same way I would look at a book or look at an article. Um, and I think that while I can't pinpoint what I feel like could be coming in the future, and I kind of, I mentioned this earlier, but I think what is changing is the ability to pitch companion podcasts along with the documentary or even the scripted version. And I think a lot of buyers are very, very open to doing that and are starting their own podcast teams that, you know, Netflix and HBO and all these streamers. Um, and so I think that conversation is something they're very open to now. Yeah. I definitely think it's scripted podcasts are gonna be around for a while. Um, new ways to get audiences, you know, new, more stories to tell. And, and it's, I think it's, you know, Sometimes I look at a script, a final product, and I'm like, oh, this is the, uh, when I watch a movie, this is a Cliff Notes version yeah. of a very long podcast or a doc series. And that's, that, can serve, that can serve one type of viewer or listener's purposes, where a deep dive podcast can serve a different type of viewer or listener. So I think that there's room for all of it, and I think they're going to continue to, we're going to continue on the trajectory that we're currently on, and I think script is just going to grow even more. That's great. So um, we do have some time for questions. Yes? I don't know. Do we have a mic? Okay, great. Hello. Thank you so much. This was very informative. Um, I started working with a podcast after they were featured on a documentary called Rats. So kind of went for from the TV to the podcast, because um, the character was, is a 75-year-old man who was an exterminator in New York and has been telling his story. That uh, documentary, I think, came out in 2016, and oddly enough, people were fascinated with him, with his work, how, I mean, he's just a character, 75 years old, New Yorker, smoking a cigar, cursing at everybody. So we started this podcast, Father and Son, as a business podcast to sort of help other people in pest control tell their stories, run their business. But it's kind of taken off as a men's lifestyle thing because of the relationship between the two. And we've kind of had some interest from other people in the television space thinking like dirty jobs along those lines. And now I'm like, uh, I'm not really sure which way to go if that was something that we wanted to do. The relationship lifestyle piece, I mean, I understand you're talking about scripted being uh, a great way to go, but I know I don't want to take up too much of your time, but if you have any insight on uh, how to kind of navigate those lines. Yeah, I mean, I, I'll weigh in briefly. I, I think that when you think about, again, economics, because those of us who are in this game of adaptation, it's how can you monetize, right? And especially when you're talking about limited series, it's harder to monetize than longstanding series, whether that's TV or podcast. So in, in your case, I mean, there may be an opportunity there to have a format, I mean, in, in TV, and that's where all of our backgrounds are, formats are golden, right? Because that's, those episodes can go on and on for a million seasons, whereas limited series or docs are a lot harder in terms of making those sustainable. So if you're thinking about, you know, making money and maybe how that will work, that's something I would explore because 
there, if he's a great talent, you know, in TV, it's sort of like there's five formats <laughs> and they're what we call mops, you know, most often pitched. So there could be a show that's been pitched a million times, but you find the right talent. And especially when they've grown an audience in the podcast space and they're feeding on each other, that could be a great way to evolve. You know, that's almost, I love that example actually, because it's sort of been evolved three different times. And that's probably the most lucrative version of it if it works on TV. Um, you know, it's obviously going to be up to the talent. It'll be up to you what you want to do with it. But to take it beyond the podcast um, into a different realm that, again, goes beyond what the doc was and what the podcast was, I think, to me, it sounds like something worth exploring. I don't know if you guys have a different take. Yeah, my, I would only question. I, I, like, I mean, it obviously depends on what your goals are for the podcast. Yeah. Um, from my perspective, I'm like, why not? <laughs> There was someone else, uh, a couple other people. Yeah. Hi, I'm Beth Darling. I'm a former divorce lawyer who flipped, and now I'm a love, sex, and relationship coach. And um, my podcast is Come With Us Podcast. But <laughs> thank you, yes. <laughs> so, um, but I had another previous show, Love and Laughter with Beth. My question is, what do you do when I feel like what I've got is the talent, the knowledge, and this background? I'm not sure if my particular formats that I've used so far at work, how do I go about trying to pitch really myself and talking about love, sex, and relationships? Yeah, 100% uh, what you could be talking about, I think is very zeitgeisty and interesting. I mean, How to Build a Sex Room just came out on Netflix and it killed. Um, so I think people would love that. Honestly, when you're doing at least from the nonfiction side, you should start looking at production companies who make projects in a similar vein of what you would want to do. Go to their websites. For example, with Campfire, I, all of our emails are on there. And just shoot us an email with uh, some information on what you're doing. And because you're going to want to pair up with a production company, you're not going to be able to go straight to a streamer. And so if you get a production company that you like, um, they can help you. Like We love to collaborate from the ground up. And so we you know, have a fund for making sizzles and decks. And I have four people who work under me who are 24-7 in development. And so that's something we love to do with you know, great talent like you. And bonus points if you come with, here's a link to my sizzle reel or here's a link to my ideas. You know, because it just shows that you've already been thinking about it. It's a little bit easier on the heavy lifting on the, I mean, they might decide we, don't, we want to do something totally different. But I find it always helps to have materials attached or what your vision might be. And I would just add to that, if you can't get a production company, which sounds like there could be some production companies that are open to what you're doing, a producer, a producing partner, yeah. you know, an individual who's, who's created in the space. Fine. I would say what you, which kind of like what uh, Rebecca said, there are shows out there a long time ago. There used to be a show on, on Showtime of Berman Sisters, Berman and Berman. Um, find, find similar shows. Find out who produced them. You know, you're not trying to find a producer who did a show 25 years ago, but, you know, there's the, what was um, the one that Goop did on Netflix? Oh, yeah. What was Goop? that one? Goop. The Goop Lab. The Goop, yeah. yeah. There, there's lots of people out there talking about sex. You can find yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm you sure. can also yeah. uh, go to agents. There's podcast agents at UTA, at CAA, at WME, um, who even if they don't rep you, they will rep your project. Do I think we have time for one more? Hello. 
Um, my name is Jordan Cobb. I work with No Such Thing Productions. Uh, we create audio fiction stories. Um, and so my question is slightly answered already, but I'm curious for the full perspective. When it comes to adapting uh, a fictional story to a new medium, such as television or a film, how interested are people in existing franchises? So for example, I have a story that we're currently producing the sequel to the original uh, podcast that came out, but then I'm also working on projects where it's just going to be one story told through a, a series of seasons. And I was just curious the difference between how easy it is to adapt something that has an existing franchise behind it versus something that is just gonna be one story all the way through. It's equal to I think it's equally easy. My only question, and then that's, this is like all you, <laughs> is do you own the rights to the existing franchise? Yes. Okay. Yeah, if you own the IP, I mean, the, the, the franchise, the IP, what you've created in, this, in the scripted world is just a jumping off point. Right? So there are books out there now that are on Netflix as series, and they're literally still a couple of seasons in. They're, they're blending seasons. They're, you know, they're some, some things you haven't even moved past the first book. Um, a, a great example of that is, for me, I'm a big fan of the ha Harry Bosch um, book series. And when I watch Bosch on, on Amazon, I'm like, oh, this, they blended all these different stories from all these different books. It, it's really just a... You have characters, you have IP, you have environments, and it's all there for you as a jumping off point. Before we end, I wanted to get quickly from our panel, um, your favorite podcast to TV adaptation so far, if you have a favorite. Heaven's Gate, obviously. <laughs> That's we not your it. own. <laughs> what about scripted? I think probably Dirty John, just because that was actually the first podcast that I can remember like loving. Yeah. Um, and it, there was also a lot of distance between when it was released versus when it came out, so it felt fresh. Tony? I'm gonna say probably The Dropout. Yeah, that's probably mine too. I think what, what Scripted's able to do in adaptations that I love is um, really get into the psychology of the person, you know, I mean, I think the dropout, the ABC podcast that it was based on, she was actually really well reported. And I think she did a great job of like, she went back to her high school and interviewed people who knew her in high school. But when you're able to dramatize something, you can give it so many more dimensions than you can when you're a journalist sort of reporting the facts. You really can't play loosey goosey with the facts. Right. And I think that, that going into the, the psychology of it all was so evident in the great work done in We Crash. Yes, another I, great one. I had seen that story and that documentary and listened to podcasts so many different times that when I actually saw that, and I think for, it's the, you know, the multiple episodes that give you the opportunity to go. I think that was probably, you know, it brought even something, I thought I knew the story, but once seeing them and seeing how Jared Leto just, you know, absorbed that, that character, it was like, just yeah. totally something new. I yeah. heard Jared Leto watch the WeWork documentary a bunch they studied to, the, to, to study figure the out the character. Yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah. We have to wrap up, but that's great. And great acting is everything to making these successful adaptations. Thank you all so much for coming. Thank you. Thank you.